What's up, founders, and welcome back to the In Demand podcast, where we talk all about how to reach your very first 1 million in ARR. I'm your host, Asia Arangio, and I'm the founder of Demand Maven, where we work with early stage SaaS companies on reaching their very first growth milestones. Let's do this. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the In Demand podcast. If you've been listening to me for a while, or if you already know me, as a person, wow, <laughs> it's been a minute since I have uh, recorded an episode. However, for those who are new to the podcast, just as a really quick refresher and reminder, hi, my name is Asia Arangio. I'm the CEO and founder of Demand Maven, and I'm going to be your host for this podcast, uh, the In Demand podcast. And if you're new here, just again, quick refresher. We are really here to discuss what it takes to build businesses that are in demand and stay in demand. Yes, we're going to talk about marketing. We are also going to talk about growth, but we also talk about leadership and strategy. And for this upcoming season, I really want to focus on a few different areas of interest. The first is thinking about being and becoming a better CEO. And then, of course, we are going to talk about marketing, but we're actually going to take a different spin on marketing. We're, we're going to approach it a little bit differently than we have in the past. We're actually going to talk about more of the softer skills of marketing. So how do you build and manage a team? What are your options? And how do you actually lead? What does leadership look like from a marketing perspective? And with that, we're just going to dive right in. I have been on this journey lately. And it's a journey that I have been wanting to take other founders on. And it's one that I have been in, a part of. But I've also, of course, my work involves working with other founders and CEOs. And it's something that I've noticed when it comes to our projects. And when our projects go extremely well. And when our projects seem like there's something missing. Like there's some kind of missing element to... Uh, potentially not necessarily how successful the project is as much as just how how well does it land or translate. And what we've noticed is there's a common denominator, there's a common thread. The projects that have a founder that is in the process of transitioning to more of a CEO role or is already a very strong CEO, they always get the most value out of the work that we do. And part of that, I think, has to do with their ability to think strategically. But the other part of it has to do with how the CEO sits in the organization. And this transition from going from founder to CEO is something that I want to talk about today. We're going to cover what the role of the CEO is, how different founders define it. We're also going to talk about why you should care, and then ultimately, why does this transition matter? What does it really mean to go from founder to CEO? But first, let's start with a few definitions. So I took to Twitter, and I said, okay, I'm really curious what does CEO mean to you? What does that role mean to you? And I got a few really interesting responses. The first was from Rand Fishkin, CEO of SparkToro. He said, make great decisions. And I could not agree more. <laughs> CEO, uh, when I think about my own personal transition to CEO, my day is filled with decisions. My day is also filled with creating frameworks to help other people make decisions. But decision-making it easily takes up tons of my time and my energy. And I'm actually at a place now where I'm starting to see patterns in these decisions and I'm starting to 
think about, okay, what are the frameworks that can help other people make decisions so I don't have to do it as much? But totally agree with Rand here. Craig Bradford, COO of Search Pilot, said therapist, upon which we both lolled and cried. <laughs> also true. Jeff Perkins, CEO of Park Mobile, previously CMO, which I think is really interesting. Jeff made a very interesting transition from CMO to CEO. But Jeff said, being the coach for the team and getting the best out of your players. Uh, again, could not agree more. Jimmy Mackin, CEO of Curator, said vision, strategy, people, resources, and culture. This is a very, uh, very holistic sense of what a CEO does. And then according to, uh, let's see, I have a few other definitions here from more um, academic types, but Ludo van der Hayden, Chaired Professor of Corporate Governance and Strategy. Uh, of course, I did not write down the university, <laughs> uh, but or even the, the organization that he's associated with. But Ludo says visioning or framing of the firm's business challenge, planning or generating potential solutions to the issue at hand, deciding or making a commitment to a course of action, explaining the rationale that led to this commitment and presenting that legitimate expectations stakeholders can hold about the results that will be produced, about how this will be done and about the rewards that successful execution allows, all of which may cause a change in the decision taken. Executing, where all energies are devoted to the execution of the decisions until results are realized, and which concludes with the distribution of rewards. And finally, evaluating, where one evaluates both the processes followed in generating a vision, and the outcomes thus obtained and the rewards shared with the search for errors that may have occurred and for corrections and adaptations that need to be made for errors not to be repeated in the future. All of that was a really, really fancy way of saying there's six things, visioning, planning, deciding, explaining, executing, and evaluating. Ludo eventually came back to this, and if I'm not mistaken, they actually crossed out number five, where executing is the ironic part of CEO, chief executive officer, where really the CEO isn't necessarily responsible for executing at all. And I dare say they probably shouldn't be executing. They should really be focused on the other five things. And then finally, we have one of my favorite definitions by A.G. Lafley, who says, I think it comes down to four fundamental tasks drawn from Peter Drucker's observations. One, defining and interpreting the meaningful outside. Two, answering time and again the two-part question, what business are we in and what business are we not in? Three, balancing sufficient yield in the present with necessary investment in the future. And four, shaping the values and standards of the organization. So here's the thing about all of these definitions. They are all correct. Pretty much every single one of them is correct. And some are more correct in certain contexts. All of these definitions are great even the ones that I got from Twitter and also the more academic ones. I think they're all incredibly true, but they're also incredibly relevant. Even if you are a SaaS company, a startup, and also even if you are funded or bootstrapped, there's tons of wisdom locked away in these definitions and the books that they've been sourced from, the podcasts, the articles, all of the chief focused content. And this is something that I, in particular, have been studying for years. As my business grows, I am learning how to be a better CEO every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year. And as I've accumulated this knowledge, I have been inspired to share all of this information with you 
but also do a little bit of a call to action in a way, because I have seen firsthand how much better a business performs when the founder makes that transition to CEO, no matter how big or small the company is, and also when founders are better leaders. And this is something, again, that I would just love to break down and discuss. So we covered like what the definitions are. Why should you care, especially if you're bootstrapped? If you're a bootstrapped SaaS founder, startup founder, whichever kind of founder. Even more so, I would say, if you're funded. I find that CEOs that are really great CEOs that are also VC funded, they tend to have a better time managing and navigating their boards. They also tend to have a better time finding and sourcing uh, funding. But even if you're bootstrapped and you don't necessarily have a board to contend with and you don't necessarily need to go and get funding, why should you care about being a better CEO? There's a few reasons that I've been able to identify. But these are also reasons that we've seen and observed in other companies outside of our own uh, and outside of our client work. Being a better CEO means building better businesses, period. That's not to say that if you never make this transition that you can't build a great business. Of course you can. We've seen, we've seen tons of businesses grow where questionable, questionable leadership. <laughs> and we, of course we've seen that. But from what I've been able to observe, founders that really start to take themselves seriously as CEOs, uh, and maybe not you know too seriously, but a little bit more seriously, you know we're looking for a margin here. <laughs> what we are able to see is that they are actually able to build just better, more effective, efficient businesses. They're able to build more resilient businesses because they are able to take a step outside of their world and look at it as objectively as possible. This means that they're able to help ba uh, make better decisions in addition to making better investments in their key areas for not only growth, but also resiliency and uh, managing risk in that way. We also see time and time again that great CEOs are able to build far more effective teams. The same resources, the same set or group of people perform better when there is a great CEO behind them. And also, I would argue too, that being a better CEO means you can actually also become a better marketer. For those technical founders out there, especially the technical bootstrapped founders, even by making the transition and by expanding yourself personally on a personal development level and expanding your mindset from founder to CEO, even if you have no one on your team, even just thinking of yourself as CEO of your own life, this alone can also help you be a better marketer. Being a better marketer really just means you have a better sense of psychology and awareness about your target audience on top of having a really good understanding of the landscape that's available to you. Great marketers know what channels, programs, and practices are going to be great fits for whoever it is that they're targeting. And they also have a very deep sense of awareness and understanding of the target customer at the end of the day, all the way down to their psychology, how they make decisions, how they think about things, and also what's blocking them from achieving success in addition to what's pulling them towards the product or towards the solution, whatever it is. And believe it or not, by leveling up 
and expanding that sense of CEO-ness, whatever that looks like for you, expanding that sense of awareness will naturally help you become a better marketer as well. You'll be able to better understand the strategic side of this. You'll also be able to better strategize in general, whether it's for marketing, whether it's for product, whether it's for even engineering. And that's why I think that this transition is so critical. But not every founder makes this transition, which is also really interesting. Not every founder makes a transition. Some founders get to a place to where they never transition over into CEO. They get to a certain size in the business, and then they realize, oh, crap, I have all this stuff. Like, there's, there's not only is there chaos, but it's almost like defined chaos, uh, but it's bursting at the seams. And you might get in a place where you kind of realize what, like, what did I miss? What happened? And a lot of the times we can kind of come back to say, well, you know, what got you here isn't going to get you there based on your goals. So one of the things that I see at least is we just didn't, we just didn't make that transition over to CEO. And it's something I want to encourage, but only of course, if that is within your, if that's within in your goal set, if that's in alignment with you, if it's not in alignment with you, if you want to be a founder and, and you are a founder and you never want to think of yourself as CEO, that's totally fine. CEO is one of those titles, too, where I think it triggers a lot of different things for different people. <laughs> uh, for some of us, it kind of sounds like you have to be super hoity-toity and like you've got to think of yourself as better than everyone else. And that's really not what I'm saying here. When I think of CEO, I think of the best visionary leader who aims to inspire and do good generally uh, for not only their people, but also for the world if possible. And that is what I think of CEO as. But I also think of CEO as someone who is strategic, is visionary, is able to uh, decide as soundly as they possibly can. They have a certain appetite for risk, but for the most part, they are willing and capable of um, you know, balancing the types of risk that they take on. These are the kinds of CEOs that I'm thinking of. I'm not necessarily thinking of like the, um, I can't like I can't I can't even think of a CEO who is like not the kind of CEO I would want to be. Uh, I mean I guess like you could say like an Elon Musk or you know like a CEO like that. But when when I think about the CEOs who inspire me, uh, they are in the camp of incredible leadership skills, incredible visionary and strategic skills, inc- exceptional at communicating their ideas and really inspiring and leading and guiding and managing their teams. That's, that's who I'm talking about. But back to why should you care and why does this transition matter? So there's really three things that we see oh, when it comes to founders who don't make this transition. The first is that they get bogged down with tasks and entire roles. Basically, the founder gets to a place where they are ultimately blocking their own growth for their own businesses purely because they haven't figured out how to delegate, how to create teams, and also how to create internal processes to get the work done. There's a, there's a few roles that come into play here. If the founder is technical, usually this is the founder hasn't been able to replace themselves from an engineering perspective. Uh, maybe they're doing all of the marketing work, but it's really not their zone of genius. And so they end up doing it anyway, but they end up doing it poorly instead of hiring into that role or delegating sets of responsibilities to people. 
We also see this from an operational perspective as well. There's not really an internal rhythm that happens for the company where it's really clear what is getting worked on, who is working on it, and when is it going to get done. On top of that, there's blocking and tackling problems that arise, issues that arise. And then there's another layer of deciding how do we make decisions here at the company and how does work move? This is kind of the operational side of leading and managing and guiding a team. But when we see the founder miss the transition into CEO, they end up taking it all on their own a lot of the times, or they end up taking on the wrong roles, roles that don't really fit their zone of genius. And because of that, they get bogged down with it and either they figure out how to do it better, uh, they learn that particular role or set of responsibilities and they end, up de- they end up delegating it later and managing it effectively, or which is what we more often see, they get frustrated with it. And then they start falling a little bit more out of love with their businesses. But it means that they end up compromising in other ways because the energy that they're putting in this one place that's not really their thing and don't, they don't want it to be their thing and it really shouldn't be their thing, it ends up leaching in other places. And we've seen this dozens of times. Not to say that this is necessarily a bad thing. Uh, of course, it's a lesson to be learned. But really what we're encouraging founders here who are in this bucket is it if you're feeling that frustration of doing it all, of uh, not having any other folks on the team, but at the same exact time feeling like you almost can't stretch to hire someone, it might be time to think about your own personal transition into CEO. So how do you become a CEO? How do you get into a role where you are primarily inspiring, leading, and managing? If, of course, that is what is in alignment with you. Now, if making that transition does not sound fun, if you're like, I don't want to be CEO either, then never mind. (laughs) You can totally skip this one. Uh, But if that does sound appealing to you, what I would recommend is taking a step back and being as objective as you possibly can, which is hard. Don't get me wrong. Not easy. But being as objective as you possibly can and just thinking about where are you getting stuck and where are you blocking the growth of your business just purely by you having too much on your plate and certain things not getting enough attention? Because it's definitely an area, uh, thinking about roles and crafting and designing and building teams that move and actually do execution, that is really the job of the CEO. So if that's in, if that if you're in that bucket and if putting on your CEO hat is in alignment with you, then I would love to invite you to take a moment to just think about that for a second. Okay, the next thing, why this transition also matters. Another thing that we see is that it does get harder for founders to see problems and challenges and issues in the organization as objectively as possible. We find that when the founder is kind of stuck in the weeds of things and they don't have time to put on their CEO hat, The founder basically is forced to make decisions on observing a problem or a challenge without really giving it its due credit, its due time, and then also not being able to separate themselves from the issues at hand, oftentimes because they may be the ones actually incurring it themselves, or it's because they are working on something adjacent to it and Uh, It's just hard to mentally and emotionally separate from whatever that is. Whenever we see this, usually it's just a sign that the founder, again, they probably have too much on their plate 
and it's impacting how they are actually seeing uh, the issues and challenges and problems in the business. And not just seeing them, but seeing them objectively, which is the key word here. It's probably, uh, there's probably no challenge or issue with actually seeing problems, but being able to see the truth of it is really the key here. A lot of the times we see issues and problems and challenges in our organizations and our businesses and how we work and how we function, but we're not always getting down to the bottom of it in the most objective way possible. We might have a hunch, we might have an idea about it, uh, but we almost, it's, it's almost like it's too hard for us to actually separate ourselves. I've actually experienced this personally within my own business several times um, where I was almost too close to something to be able to actually see the problem or the challenge for what it objectively was. And it was just because I was the one who was basically doing it. Like I was the one who was in it. And it wasn't until that thing ended or it wasn't until that project closed where I realized, oh my gosh, that's what the problem was. And after talking about it with my team and getting their perspective, that's kind of when I started to see things as a little bit more objective of, oh, I see. Okay, like, yes, like that was part of my experience. However, it seems like the problem was actually this. And this is the real issue to to solve. This is the importance of, again, putting that CEO hat on and taking a step back and looking at any challenges or issues. But it's really hard to do that when you are kind of in the weeds, executing and doing all of the time. A little bit tough to do that. So uh, if you find yourself in this bucket of you're having issues actually seeing the problems, this might again be encouragement for you to put that CEO hat back on, see how it feels and get a little more comfortable with it because it's time to arm yourself with ways to not only not only problem solve, but problem identify as truthfully as possible. Okay, last one. What we see also with founders who never make the transition to CEO is they do ultimately risk moving slower than the rest of the market, both customers and competitors alike. And what we also see is when, when they move slower than the rest of the market, then the market outpaces them. What ends up happening is they end up being forced to sell to laggards in the market or late adopters, which is a very frustrating go-to-market strategy. It's certainly, it's certainly a long-lasting one, certainly a long-tail one. But if you know, assuming that resources, time, and energy are available, so I don't want to, of course, um, inc- try to include bootstrapped founders who maybe don't want to grow or scale or get to a place where um, you know they have medium or smaller sized teams. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to make the assumption that everyone's going to be in that bucket. But let's say you are in that bucket of yeah, like we could totally hire a team. I just have it for various reasons. Or, you know, we could invest in these things and do it very comfortably and easily, but I just haven't for various reasons. And yes, like I, I do want to grow a, a team. I don't want to, maybe you don't want to get, you know, hundreds of employees, but maybe you want like a pretty moderate sized team of like 20 to 30 people, which is my personal, uh, it's my favorite size of company. 20 to 30 people, chef's kiss, just amazing. Would do this all day long. A <laughs> hundred people, I would, I would do it again. Uh, I don't know if I would right now, <laughs> but 20 to 30, oh, perfect size, the best size. You can accomplish so much with that many people. 
So yeah, I'll just say though, if you are in that camp though of, yeah, like the resources are available, that that's a goal that I'm aligned with. It's an alignment with me. But you don't make that transition to CEO. You do ultimately risk moving slower than the rest of the market. And this actually doesn't really have as much to do with, like, of course, it has to do with like having a great product and having great marketing. But a lot of the times, it just has to do with competitors having better leadership and being able to uh, make decisions and execute faster. And sometimes that is all it takes. It doesn't even have to be a better product. We have seen this time and time again. Worse products that are louder in the market sometimes end up winning. And, you know, winning, of course, is one of those things where it's like, well, is there really a winner, Asia? Um, If you've ever read The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, you'll know what I mean when I say, yeah, they might be a winner, like, you know, for now, but not obviously forever. But they do sometimes, a lot of the time, end up moving a lot faster. So a more effective CEO, able to lead, decide, and enable others to execute as fast as possible. And that is the power of being a great CEO, or at least a better one. It's okay if you're not, you know, the best one ever, (laughs) whatever that means. But to be a better CEO, I think that that is uh, definitely an investment worth making. And on top of that, you deserve it. Of course, you you deserve to, to invest in yourself, to be a better person, to be a better leader, and to inspire yourself while also inspiring others. That's at least what I've learned in this process. All right, that's what I've got for you today. So big, high-level thinking, right? <laughs> Let's think about how you move through space and time as a better leader And what does it feel like to put the CEO hat on for yourself? And if you don't like the term CEO, that's okay. You can change it to whatever you want it to be. It could be chief creative officer or chief inspiration officer, chief visionary officer, whatever you want. But what does it feel like for you to put the CEO hat on? And do you like that feeling? Is that that something, is that an identity that you like? Is that a role that you like? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? And how can you do more of it? And where do you get stuck? Y'all know where to find me on Twitter at Asia Arangio nowadays. Used to be Asia Matos, but, you know, marriage and name changes and stuff. Uh, But you know where to find me on Twitter at Asia Arangio. If you ever have any questions, ideas, responses, you know I want to hear them. Uh, Also, very quick shout out to basically everyone (laughs) who has been bugging me and asking me and filling my inbox and my DMs, asking me about this podcast and when it was coming back. I, to be honest with you, had no idea that the podcast was such a, it held such a special place in people's hearts. And it was something that people loved, Uh, had no clue, because y'all be quiet sometimes. But, you know, it's just so helpful to know that these episodes, this podcast, that it is helping, that you find it valuable, that you think it's interesting, please continue to send that kind of affirmation. One, because it's my love language, but also because it just is helpful for creators to know. (laughs) But now that I know that it is important to y'all, I will keep creating these episodes. Even if I only have one listener, I will still do it. All right. Well, thanks again. Have a great one. And let me know your thoughts on this. I'm, I'm curious about what that feels like for you and also where you feel like you can be a better CEO.
let's talk about it. Let's create the, let's create the conversation. All right. Bye for now. 